Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach And within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Monthly Motivation. So happy that you're listening. This month's motivation is about the spectrum of emotions. And this motivation really came about from a, an exchange I had with a friend of mine who is also a lit teacher. And she had taken a class, and in the class I talked about really experiencing all the feelings, experiencing challenge on the mat, because that feeling of, of having challenge also fortifies us to feel joy when there is ease. And that this spectrum needs to exist because to feel all the things, um, we have to be aware of all the different ways we can feel, emote, and experience life. And that really spoke to her. And she felt a little confused because she has been practicing a yogic philosophy called the middle path and had learned about that and had been practicing it for years And she said that because of that practice, she doesn't really feel excited anymore. She's almost trained herself to travel this middle road. And because of that, isn't really feeling the extremes or the various shades of emotions. For example, she said she jumped off a plane, you know, did did a skydiving. And when she landed, her husband and her friend were like so excited to talk to her about it. And she said, I really didn't feel anything. Like, 
what? That's a big deal. That's a big deal to jump out of a plane. You should have something. But she said she had trained herself in this middle path so much in trying to protect herself that maybe it wasn't working as well because she wasn't allowing herself to feel the full spectrum of emotions. And she asked me to talk about it a little bit since I had mentioned that in one of my closing talks in my class. And so this made me want to do a deep dive in in emotions and learning about the spectrum of emotions because I know for myself how important it is for me to feel my feelings and to feel the different emotions that come up. And that's what makes life for me very rich and very juicy and wonderful. I mean, I've had incredible grief. My dad died almost four years ago, and the pain of that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And I feel like the allow, allowing myself to feel the depths of that sadness, I was able to do that because I've allowed myself to feel all the spectrum of emotions. And it, it definitely helped in my healing. Grief doesn't go away, but it helped to allow those just horrible chasms of pain to be felt, to be experienced, because it also reminded me of the joy and love that I had, you know, had experienced in life with my dad and that remains with me now. So first off, what she's talking about in the middle path is about moderation. And many spiritual leaders have have talked about this. It's, it's in the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the yogic text. And there's a quote in there in the Bhagavad Gita. Yoga is not for him who eats too much, nor for him who eats too little. It is not for him who sleeps too much, nor for him who sleeps too little. For him who is temperate in his food and recreation, temperate in his exertion at work, temperate in sleep and waking, yoga puts an end to all sorrows. So this middle path, this kind of recipe for ending all sorrows um, has been considered and written about as a way of kind of avoiding extremism. But I don't think that applies to emotions in the same way. So let's first dive into what are emotions, because I think emotions um, can be confused with feelings and moods, but they're not actually interchangeable. According to the American Psychological Association, emotion is defined as a complex reaction pattern involving experiential, behavioral, and physiological elements. So emotions are how individuals um, contend with matters or situations that they personally find significant. And emotional experiences have three components, a subjective experience, a physiological response, and a behavioral or expressive response. Now, a feeling is the result of an emotion, and it can be influenced by memories, beliefs, and other factors. So when I feel sad thinking about my dad, that is probably influenced because of my memories of him, of my memories of him being such a great cheerleader for me, of being my just 
um, biggest fan of being such a huge mentor in my life. A mood is described by this American Physi uh, Psychological Association as any short-lived emotional state, usually of low intensity. So moods are different from emotions because they don't have the stimuli and they don't necessarily have these kind of clear starting points. So for example, you can feel the emotion of anger when something is tr triggering you, like somebody says something rude to you, it triggers an emotion of anger. But you could have an angry mood just come out of somewhere without any apparent trigger. So it could just be there, but the emotion has, again, it has those elements, a complex reaction pattern, experiential, behavioral, and physiological elements behind it. So when we think about the spectrum of emotions, there's they're, they're laid down for us. We all have emotions, and they are going to be different for all of us because of these different um, forces. Now, emotional health is really about experiencing the full spectrum emotions in a healthy way. That means not just feeling positive, right? When we talk about toxic positivity, that's this idea that um, you can just wash over things and, and look at it from this rose-colored lens, but that's not taking into account someone someone's personal experience. And so that would not be healthy. We want to feel and experience the full spectrum of emotions. Mark Manson said, no one is fully happy all the time, but similarly, nobody's fully unhappy all the time. It seems that humans, regardless of our external circumstances, live in a constant state of mild but not fully satisfying happiness. In other words, things are pretty much always fine, but they could always be better. And so I think that that middle path almost could lead to this, right? That we could be in this middle way where we're nothing's really amazing and also nothing's really bad. And that could be very helpful at certain times. I'm not sure we want to live there all the time. Because we're since we're all born with this capacity to experience all of the emotions, then we need to experience them. But sometimes and often people have learned to stifle them, to bottle them up. And you can think of all the ways that we've been told this by the media, by maybe our caregivers, like, cheer up, you're going to be fine. Um, you, you don't need to cry about it, blah, blah, blah. All these things that have been communicated to us um, that maybe are giving us a message that we shouldn't feel this emotions, and therefore we shouldn't show it and then therefore not talk about it. So much of the study that has been done in emotional psychology is about our basic emotions, our psychological and behavioral responses, and the role of that emotional intelligence in our lives. In emotional psychology, and let me also mention, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just putting together the research that I've that I've delved into and my own experience. But obviously, there's um, much more to it than what I'm getting into. So I'm just trying to really go through the spectrum of emotions, what are emotions, and then again, how we can 
modulate our emotions in a way that work best for us. So these emotions are split into two groups, basic and complex. So basic emotions are associated with facial expressions, recognizable facial expressions, like imagine somebody happy, imagine somebody sad. These tend to happen automatically. And Charles Darwin, Charles Darwin, as you might know from evolutionary uh, biology, he was one of the first to really suggest that emotion-induced facial expressions are universal. This was very key, actually, in, in his theory of evolution because it implied that emotions and their expressions were biological and adaptive. So emotions have been observed. We know this. They've been observed in other animals besides the human animals. You can see emotions in your dogs or cats and certainly in greater apes and, and other animals as well. They just communicated a little differently, but we have this commonality where we, we, we can sense an emotion because that has been pivotal for all of our survivals from, from different species. So these basic emotions likely um, were a big part in our survival through human evolution because we were able to read each other. We were able to um, comfort each other. We were able to understand what was happening um, that could be important for survival. Now, there's an emotional psychologist, Paul Ekman, and he identified the six basic emotions that you could see in facial expressions, and that included happiness, sadness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. He later expanded the list to also include embarrassment, excitement, contempt, shame, pride, satisfaction, amusement. These have not all been widely adapted, but you can kind of picture people's expression for all of these different types of emotions. And when my friend was talking about jumping off of a plane and not really feeling much, that would be surprising, right? That would You would expect that um, that emotion of happiness or surprise or excitement, maybe even satisfaction would be registered. So emotions are linked to physiological changes and to feelings, as I mentioned earlier. And these feelings or these physiological changes are what we can summon or we can we could suppress consciously. And so again, when you maybe take that middle path, you might be doing yourself a disservice by not allowing these physiological changes to really come to fruition. One of the signs of emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize and identify your own emotions and what others are feeling. So when we understand emotions, when we understand our own emotions, it seems logical that we would probably be better at communicating, we would be better at coping, we would be better at um, having relationships with people. Now, there was a lot, there's been a lot of research, and some of the research uh, that I did talks about how emotions are linked to adaptive solutions, including fighting, falling in love, and escaping danger. Lazarus is one of these um, researchers. He describes emotions as complex disturbances that induced three main components, a subjective effect, physiological change related to species-species, 
and action impulses having both instrumental and expressive qualities. To simplify this idea, getting back to the six basic emotions, happiness, anger, sadness, surprise, disgust, and fear, we can, we can see that there's going to be a physio physiological change that produces happiness. So that could be a rise in your serotonin, which is kind of known as like the happy hormone transmitter. Um, sadness might be that just you could, might feel physiologically burdened. Um, I know when I felt sad, there was just this heaviness in my heart. It literally felt constricted. And so then the, that feeling creates an expression, an expressive quality. Right? So with happiness, we smile. With sadness, we might kind of contract and our face gets very long and we cry. You know, these are all um, both physiological and adaptive and expressive qualities. Emotions are influenced by many <laughs> connections in the brain. We, it's, it was crazy to read this because I don't think I even appreciated how many parts of the brain are involved. I, I know about the limbic system, which we often think of as the, you know, the main place for emotions and behavioral responses, but there's also the hypothalamus and the hippocampus and the amygdala. So all of these parts of the brain are involved in emotions. And they, again, have served us in an evolutionary stand standpoint, prompting us to respond quickly to something to maximize our chance of you know, success. But research has found that experiencing fear increases the perceptions of not feeling great about other people, or feeling like in danger or at risk. And on the other hand, feeling joy can cause people to really leap into action. So these are, again, going back to these parts of the brain that signal responses, signal responses, one, to maybe to survive, one, to be a little bit kind of nervous about someone or, or some kind of perception of risk. And then the other would be with like a feeling of joy, like wanting to go forward into action. So again, this is really important to understand because if we were to dull any of these things we might be dulling the experience that we would be having from these parts of the brain. We might be not wanting to leap into action or, or not wanting to be a little bit um, circumspect with someone. Again, the amygdala, you probably have heard of it before, but it's that part of the limbic system that is defined um, as the region for where there's a lot of emotional responses, but one is is fear, one is anxiety. And then we have other neurotransmitters that, like I was mentioning before, serotonin and dopamine that send signals across um, the, sero, the, the, um, the other parts of the brain that give our body a message with a certain emotional value attached. So again, these Serotonin could be like the happy hormone, or dopamine is like a satisfying hormone. You know, you kind of want hits of dopamine because you get really satisfied. You actually tend to want to do something or, or be in action when you get that hit of dopamine. 
Okay, so when we look more at uh, these emotions, this American professor and psychologist introduced this psychoevolutionary theory. His name is Robert Plechik, and it was the wheel of emotions. So again, getting back to this idea of the spectrum of emotions. And he described eight basic emotions. So he added a few more on joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, anticipation, anger, and disgust. And so his wheel describes these eight emotion, but also shows how the emotions can relate to each other, containing opposite emotions. And so this is this gets back to what I was what I had said at that in the class that really struck my friend is, is that I said if you if you're not feeling um, the joy or satisfaction of, of this accomplishment of practicing and being present, then you might also be dimming the um, not feelings, not feeling the feelings of dissatisfaction that would possibly trigger a response of wanting to do something or of being more gentle on yourself. So we have these polarities and they influence each other. It's like the shades of colors are more intense on either side when one is intense. So if you feel more intensely the sadness, you also are going to feel more intensely the joy. And I don't know if there's any way we can really get around that, but isn't that wonderful that we can, in fact, kind of be aware that by dulling one emotion, we are dulling others, but by allowing that emotion to be expressed, to be felt, and to have a response in the brain and in our physiology, we're also training our brain and our physiology to have a response to the opposite emotion. And I think that's something we aren't taught, you know, from a young age, is that with sadness, we'll also experience joy. Um, and it's all part of that spectrum that he's talking about, this wheel of emotions. He goes way more into it. He talks about a core emotion with different intensities. But I think the main take home here is that the purpose of the spectrum in, the, in our physical body is feedback. An emotional feedback then engages us, and it engages us through this physiology, both this electrical and chemical circuitry in our brain that gives us more purpose in, in living. And when we, when we really understand the emotional field, we can engage um, in a higher vibration. We can really feel all the things. So it's okay to feel emotionally charged, in other words. I think when we, if you were to take the middle path, you would avoid these emotionally charged feelings, whether it's pain or joy. And it's, it's okay to feel them because to feel one, you're going to feel the other as well. They're all kind of on this different, they're on frequencies. So what do we do with all this? I think we just practice trying to have a, a fuller, a more full path instead of the middle path of emotional responsiveness.
Because if we didn't have emotions, it would be kind of, it would be dangerous. Obviously, it would be dangerous from our evolutionary perspective, but it would also be really dull. We want to be able to jump out of a plane and feel like, whoa, look what I did. I remember when I asked an ex-boyfriend's um, mother, she was getting ready for this amazing trip, amazing trip to Antarctica. And I said, oh my gosh, you must be so excited. And she just looked at me and she said, hmm, well, I think I'm pleased. And I thought, wow, that's a wild response for some amazing adventure. Well, she had taken a lot of kind of privileged adventures already. And so for her, this was just another one on the list. But I remember thinking, I hope that I never am so conditioned to something being wonderful that I just think it's fine. I want to always think it's wonderful. I want, I want to think it's always exciting. Um, and that's just me. That isn't to say she was wrong or anybody else is wrong. But I think it's this, to be emotionally responsive, to have the spectrum of emotions, we, we don't want to ever be lazy about them. We don't want to feel like it's just something we've done before. You know, if I go on a trip that I've been on, many, many trips, but I've, I want to feel an excitement for each trip. And some of that is the training, the physiological responses of, of feeling like this is different, this is new, and this is lucky, lucky to have this experience. So all of those can help um, have a, have, help me and help others to have a, a more rich emotional experience for that spectrum. And again, when you numb something, you're going to numb another part of the spectrum. So if you numb sadness, you're, you're also in some ways numbing the happiness and joy. And so emotions really, they can affect our whole demeanor and our health. But if we are strong in our center, we can handle these various emotions and we can feel them to their fullest so that we can experience sadness and happiness and we don't have to numb any of them. Sadness and hurt is, is part of what makes joy and happiness so much richer and so much brighter because we've, we've had the, you know, the, the old saying, if you you didn't have the darkness, you wouldn't appreciate the dawn or the light. It's the same thing with our emotions. So rather than trying to suppress something or maybe find the, that middle path that, that does feel a little bit duller, work more on finding um, being an observer of the emotions, noticing emotions that you experience and what it feels like in your body. And that can be something very small. That could be like petting your cat. I know my friend that I'm speaking of has a cat. Like petting your cat and feeling the emotion in that, the connection of that, the love. And cultivating that experience so that you can experience other emotions more fully as well. Because emotions are often our own internal messengers that are giving us signals that something is important and we need to pay attention to it. So we know we've heard it all before. you got to feel your feelings. You also have to feel the emotions. And that way, 
I think we can walk around with a, a heart that's fuller and we can have gratitude for all the moments. I have gratitude for the ability to grieve so fully because it reminded me of this immense love as well because they're on the same spectrum, the happiness and the sadness. Feeling the sadness reminded me of how much joy and happiness I did have when my dad was alive. And I try and remember that that can still exist with the grief even though he isn't physically here. So you deserve to let yourself experience all of your emotions. Treat yourself with tenderness and care and know that even if it hasn't been a part of your training, background, upbringing, that you can change this because it is, a physio it is physiological and, and is psychological and it is happening in the brain. So when we start to think, I'm waking up in the morning, ah, I'm so happy to see that it's raining outside or I'm so happy to see that it's sunny outside. We can feel that happiness. And it's okay to feel disappointment because we also know that emotions are there, but we will move through the spectrum of emotions. We're not going to get stuck on one if we allow ourselves to feel it and to really experience all the colors. I hope this helped you. It was such an interesting topic she brought up, and, and I hadn't really thought so much about it when I had said those words in class. I just knew for myself how important it was to experience all the emotions because it makes life more colorful. It makes experiences more meaningful, more rich. So if you have any feelings about your emotions or how you live in the spectrum of emotions, I'd love to hear that. You can always write me at laura at lityoga.com. And of course, let's all live as vibrantly as we can, experiencing it all, the ups and downs, the full range of colors, and in that, doing our best to be gentle with ourselves and all beings around us. As always, I'm pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.